Solved? Sounds like an absurd idea, but it's rallied support from notable economists like Nobel Prize winner Paul Krugman. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a clown world out there. There's a lot to be said about this clown world out there. I will try to keep it fairly brief. Otherwise, this may never end. <laughs> so here we are. Now, the first thing I might talk about today, with all this debt ceiling business going on, is the Clown World Mint. The Clown World Trillion Dollar Mint. Wait, wait, you mean it's back? Yes! So recently... Axios chief financial correspondent, Felix Salmon, made an appearance on Firing Line with Margaret Hoover to promote the idea of the trillion dollar mint. Here's a little clip from that. The platinum coin is awesome. I love it. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's so much fun. Just printing this, 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 this majestic mint. That's worth a trillion dollars, cause, cause we said so. We said, said so. so, and yeah, sure, it's not backed by anything other than our thin air, but it's worth something, and that is so fun. All right, let's let's keep playing this tape so we can torture you a little more. Let me ask you about the implications to inflation, um, and get your reaction to an economist from the Competitive Enterprise Institute who writes, there's no way to get around inflation if you were to print a trillion dollar coin. Your reaction? This, this is nonsense. Why? Because the only difference between printing a trillion dollars and borrowing a trillion dollars is that if you borrow a trillion dollars, you need to pay interest on it. And if you print a trillion dollars, you don't. If printing money to pay our bills doesn't cause inflation, why wouldn't we be printing money to pay for all of our bills and all of our spending, as the modern monetary theorists argue. We could. We haven't tried it. And Do you give credence to that theory? I do. Now, whoa, whoa, hold on. Are we on cloud cuckoo land or what? Am I off my meds or did he just say inflation's a myth? Okay, how about Weimar Germany? How about Zimbabwe? How about the Great Depression? How about the banking collapse of 2008? Remember all that? I bring that up because inflation and credit expansion were intimately intertwined in every single one of those examples. If you recall a few years ago, well, Rashida Tlaib championed 
this whole idea of the trillion dollar mint. And at least in certain quarters of the Democratic Party, she was being applauded. I have this older link on her uh, webpage as a congresswoman. It says two one trillion dollar coins. Oh, two of them. Two one trillion dollar coins. Rashida Tlaib proposes two one trillion dollar coins. Rashida Tlaib proposal calls on U.S. Treasury to fund coronavirus recovery from U.S. Mint. And that's dated March 21, 2020. To put this in perspective, as many of you recall, this was when the COVID, the coronavirus, was getting into high gear. Things were just about to shut down throughout the nation. All these restrictions were enacted. But anyway, here's what the uh, text says on the site. Progressives on Saturday welcome news that Representative Rashida Tlaib is calling on the U.S. Treasury to exercise its power to issue platinum coins to fund the coronavirus recovery, calling the move an example of thinking outside the box and celebrating the universality of her proposal to give everyone in America cash, cash payments. payments. I fully support the House Financial Services Committee Democrats hashtag COVID-19 economic response proposal, the Michigan Democrat tweeted Saturday. I also want to encourage leadership to consider my truly universal relief proposal on behalf of hashtag 13th District Strong. I don't know why that typo is left there, because on our site, it says 12th District Strong. It's got that Marxist fist, so, I mean, nothing to get too creeped out about. I mean, this is a really ambitious and creative plan from Representative Tlaib taking advantage of ideas that financial experts began exploring during the debt crisis showdowns of the Obamas tweeted HuffPost reporter Zach Carter. So, wow, I mean, that's a lot of trouble for one congresswoman, huh? So RFK just recently linked a LewRockwell.com article on his Twitter. Very interesting. It points out the perils of inflation on working-class families. I'm going to go ahead and read that tweet and then cut to the article. Okay, so he says, this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He says, people who work full-time should be able to support a family's needs. More than a third of Americans working full-time can't. Lots of troubling stats in this article on impact of inflation on the poor and middle class. Hashtag Kennedy 24. So the article that he linked is by Michael Snyder. I don't know a lot about the guy, but it's dated May 18th this year, titled The Middle Class is Being Systematically Destroyed. So Snyder says, if you wanted to destroy the middle class, one way that you could accomplish that goal would be to flood the system with money. Of course, that is precisely what we have witnessed 
over the past few years. Our leaders have pumped trillions of new dollars into the system, and the wealthy have gotten much, much wealthier. But meanwhile, the rest of us have seen the cost of living rise much faster than our paychecks have. As a result, we are getting poorer, and the middle class is shrinking. Over time, our capitalist economy has steadily evolved into a system where almost all of the wealth and almost all of the power are concentrated in the hands of giant institutions. Collectively, big government and big corporations run virtually everything, and this system of corporate socialism funnels a tremendous amount of wealth into the pockets of a very small minority of the population. Centralizing wealth and power leads to widespread poverty. We have seen this same pattern over and over again, all over the globe. Decentralizing wealth and power leads to boundless prosperity, like we saw in early America. Unfortunately, our current system is what it is, and the middle class is being absolutely crushed. So that's Snyder. So, if we're perfectly honest, the vast concentration of wealth does a lot to fuel the problems that conservatives and libertarians alike love to complain about. And I might personally liken the present situation to a chess game. The king isn't terribly useful on his own, other than keeping the game alive, but you sacrifice just about everyone else to protect him. So there's some credence to the complaints about trickle-down economics, which, you know, is um, often categorized as left-speak, because you usually hear that from the Democratic Party or leftists who make that observation. But we also hear that our livelihoods depend on people who make way more than us. And you often hear that from the right. But these are just observations of the present situation. They don't prescribe anything different. They either seem to urge you to accept them or complain about them. Tying all this back into the debt issue, the Mises Institute published a great article by Mark Thornton back in 2011 called Lower the Debt Ceiling. So this is what Thornton says. Currently, the big show in Washington, D.C. centers around raising the debt ceiling. Congress began setting this debt ceiling in 1917 so that the Treasury could independently issue debt. What we need to do is lower the debt ceiling. If Congress passed legislation that systematically reduced the debt ceiling over time, the economy could be rebuilt on a solid foundation. Entrepreneurs in the productive sectors would realize that an ever-increasing proportion of resources, land, labor, and capital, would be at their disposal, while companies that capitalized on the federal budget would have an ever-declining share of such resources. Congress would have to cut the pay and benefits of its employees. FDR cut them by 25% in the depths of the Great Depression. 
as well as the number of such employees. Real wage rates would decline, allowing entrepreneurs to hire more employees to produce consumer-valued goods. Passing an increase in the debt ceiling merely perpetuates the myth that there is any ceiling or control or limit on government's ability to waste resources in the short run and its willingness to pass the burden of this squander onto future generations. So, have you even heard any congressman, any congresswoman, get up and say, you know what, I've got an idea. <laughs> Let's lower the debt ceiling. It's almost inconceivable. I mean, could you even imagine Thomas Massey getting up and saying that with a straight face and with some new legislation in his hand? So speaking of all things clown world, I did want to revisit the Durham report just a little bit because there's been a few interesting developments. Andrew Napolitano released um, an episode of Judging Freedom, which covered the issue. And I guess I'm not terribly surprised, but gladly vindicated that he seems to feel much the way I do about the issue. He did say that Mr. John Durham slow-walked this whole report, took all the time in the world, quite possibly because Bill Barr didn't really want the job done. He just wanted to make a point or cross something off the checklist. So another factor that didn't really catch my attention was the statute of limitations. And as a consequence for slow-walking the report, it only does sadly make sense that no one's going to be charged. Did they plan on even charging anybody? Probably not. Even after all that mess, eh, I would like to make a correction. <laughs> On that particular episode, I accidentally referred to Bill Barr as Bob Barr. But I'm happy to say Dave Smith made the same mistake on a recent Part of the Problem podcast episode. But I'm going to go back to bragging about myself a little bit. While it took about two and a half minutes for me to make a cartoon out of John Durham, Clint Russell on Liberty Lockdown took 40 minutes to do so. But in fairness to Clint, he did a very impressive, in-depth diagnosis of the entire issue and read several quotes in his own voice, as opposed to a cartoon voice that I did, of John Durham and his report. But since none of the bad guys go to jail, I'm going to say, again, we live in a clown world. This has been another episode of the Austro-Jeffersonian Empire of Liberty podcast. I'm Mr. Manger. Thanks again for listening.